Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today is my co-host, Rissa. Hello. How's it going today, Rissa? Doing all right. All right, cool. So on today's episode, we are continuing with our Growing Up Disney series. And today we're going to look at the Dark Age movies. So that takes place from 1981 through 1988. Because I'm going to consider 1989 the start of the Renaissance due to that starting uh, with Little Mermaid. I think that's the start. What Do you do you think that's the start of the Renaissance with Little Mermaid? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know if we should count... Um like who framed Roger Rabbit because technically it's not a Disney movie, but a lot of Disney animators had hands in it. Yeah, they did. They definitely did. And it was like a reason why they turned around and, and started the the renaissance for Disney animation. Yeah, it did play a big part. So if, if you remember the Disney Plus show Prop Culture, you know, that was a big, you know, one of the big movies that um, that came out in the 80s. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is one of the reasons why it's in Disneyland as well. I know. It was, it's like in Toontown, you've got who for, um, Roger, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. And it's just like, huh, I didn't think this was Disney, you know, when, when it first came out. It's not. But it, like I said, it's because a lot of animators were involved in it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it was uh, Jeffrey Katzenberger. He was the president of the animation, Disney animation. And then he moved over to a different studio. Right. It's cool. Um, but yeah, we're going to. We're going to look at the, so when we talk about Dark Age, it was definitely a Dark Age when it comes, to, well, the first Dark Age when it comes to animation, because if you look at it, there were only four animated movies in this period, and there were a ton of live action. There are 21 live action movies in this period. However, a lot of the live action movies that came out were like joint ventures with other studios where Disney was a distributor and they didn't really work on the movie, but they were like distributing it. So they got their name on it, right? Yeah, I feel like Disney was working a lot more on their television at this point. Yeah, and and it, it had to, I think it had a lot to do with the leadership here. This was pre-Michael Eisner, right? Right. So, you know, when they brought Eisner in, it was just like he was the big name to turn Disney around, especially the animation studios and the live action studios because he was the big, you know, uh, movie guy, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if it was they were trying to focus more on their distribution or they were trying to focus more on their parks itself. But yeah, the the movies were kind of sparse throughout the this whole period. Which is a shame because I mean they could have done a lot. They could have they could have made more movies. They could have you know made more animation. But we'll see. We'll see why this is considered the first dark age. Let's um let's take a look at the four animated movies first, and then we can look at the live actions or, or select live actions, whichever you remember, or I don't know if you remember any of them. <laughs> Probably not, but they're definitely notable um, names just because they're considered cult classics now. Right, right. All right, so let's look at the four animated movies. Of course, we're talking about The Fox and the Hound in 1981, The Black Cauldron in 1985, The Great Mouse Detective in 1986, and Oliver and Company in 1988. So... Looking at The Fox and the Hound, this was a 1981 film. Um, do you remember watching this like at school? Because I remember watching this in school a lot. I remember watching it in school and I feel like we owned it 
on DVD, like on the re-release. Yeah, we probably did. Because yeah, I think we also had the the sequel. Oh, yeah. There was a sequel, Fox and Hound 2. That's right. Yeah. I think that was a straight-to-video, though. Yeah, that was direct-to-video. For me, the memory is, is just like, you know, the, the hound was supposed to help the hunters fox uh, hunt the fox, right? And it's just like, oh, they had this friendship going and all this. That That's what I remember from it. Do you remember anything about the movie and your childhood? Yeah, uh, I remember it being a really touching story because, you know, it's sort of friendship transcending uh, race in, in a sense. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of like an early imagining for a child to think think of things like that like if you think if you remember the movie the color purple it's kind uh-huh. of like like that or the no it was the color of friendship that disney that, channel that original disney movie? channel yeah. original movie yeah that one that's what i'm i'm thinking of so this is kind of like that but obviously this one came before the color of friendship but yeah this is like a foray into breaking down those uh those race barriers it's like so, um metaphorical right because it's it's using animals to, yeah. to show it yeah, but I'm I'm a little surprised that this was during the Dark Ages. I thought it was a uh, a Disney like a Walt Disney movie. Oh, you mean like really old old? Yeah, I thought it, that we had just missed it during the classic animated, but I guess it was in the 80s and I had no idea. Yeah, right, exactly. It just this was the one right after the Rescuers that you know came out cuz Rescuers was 79, so this was the next one and it's just like, wow. I didn't realize this is in the 80s. Yeah, I, I really didn't. I didn't because it was such a good story. And uh, I thought it was something that Disney himself, uh, Walt, touched. Because of the storytelling kind of makes it seem like this would some, be something that Walt came up with. Especially yeah. with like the period that they put it in, right? It's not mm-hmm. It's not too modern. It's, you know, so um, yeah. So then in 1985, of course, they came out with The Black Cauldron. I don't know. Have you watched this at all? I've never watched it. I know it's on Disney Plus and it's on my list. I just haven't gotten around to watch it. I started watching it and I was like, wow, this is really 80s. It's really dark. And it, and you think of like death metal, you know? <laughs> it's just like, so is it like Dark Crystal and Labyrinth yeah. type? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the adventure, you know, like we're going on a quest. You know, <laughs> like, like yeah. onward, you're going on a quest, right? Yeah. Um, He just embarks on a quest to save the pig. And it's just like, Okay. Wait, you're, he's saving a pig? <laughs> yeah. That's the whole premise of this movie? He wants to save the pig. <laughs> Is it a special pig? It's a magical pig. Okay. No, but... That's um, super 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, the Horn King wants to seal away all light and bring the darkness into the into their world and all that, right? It's just... It's really dark. It's a that dark movie. Like- D&D. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's like that era, right? Where D&D was really popular and people were like, you know, into all this stuff with the vans that were decked out and all that, right? I guess. It's like barley. Sort of like all of Stranger Things and uh, that type of thing. Exactly. That's the kind of vibe you get from it. It's just a real D&D vibe. <laughs> <laughs> all I right. guess it was a missed opportunity for me not to include this into my D&D world, my Disney D&D campaign. Yeah, it, it would definitely fit. Well, it would be more like a traditional, it would look like more like a traditional campaign for you if you were to throw oh. that in there, right? Yeah, so I guess it's good that I didn't. Yeah, because you would, don't get the... It would make the, it a little too dark. I mean, right. I already threw in Chernabog, so... It would make it more like, you know, a, like this is something you normally do in D&D, right? Uh-huh. All right, so 
Yeah, it's not one that I grew up with. And in fact, I, I only recently just watched it. So it's just, it's it's cool, but I don't see how kids would have liked it. Was there a princess in this? There was a, I think she was a princess. I'm not sure if she's a princess. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot already. You know, I just watched it, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, this is a PG movie, right? You know, it's just, a, it didn't, it didn't, it felt too dark to be a PG well, I but mean, I, I guess everybody was into that back then, right? Well, back then they also didn't have a PG-13 rating. Oh, right. That's right. They didn't. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So the next movie was in 86 and that was The Great Mouse Detective. So um, do you remember watching this at all as a kid? I feel like I watched it at extended daycare. Um, this is the one with Basil, right? Basil of Baker Street. Yes. Yeah. It was like Sherlock Holmes, but with mice or rats or whatever. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And like yeah. the, the big rat was like supposed to be like uh, Professor Moriarty or whatever, you know? Was he Radigan? Radigan, exactly. Yeah. So I remember parts of it, but I don't even remember what the story was or very much about it because it was kind of just one of the things on in the background. Um, and I feel like that's kind of telling of, of this dark age. It's not really memorable, um, but you know of them and of the things. So, yeah. For some reason, I, I really remember the story. I feel like I've wa- I watched it over and over and over in school. I don't know why. I think that we had substitutes so many times that they just played this movie a lot, you know? And and it was it was like middle school. And I was just like, why are you watching this movie again, you know? Um, you know the movie that came on a lot for me with substitute teachers was um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, they played it a lot. And it's surprising because we went to a Christian school. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't remember watching that a lot. Yeah, it was my substitute teachers. Mine put on The Great Mouse Detective. So <laughs> I was just like, okay, this movie again. Um, but so I, I do recall this movie. It's like uh, the girl's father got kidnapped by Radigan because he was an inventor, right? And then Radigan wanted to, I don't know, take over the world or whatever. And um, he had this henchman that was a bat. So the girl saw the bat kidnapping the dad. And then she had a clue to tell uh, tell Basil, oh, it's a bat with a peg leg and stuff, right? So, you know, he had clues to go by and all that. And yeah, eventually they have this battle on uh, Big Ben. And it's it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because there was such a gap of animated films in from Disney in the 80s, like a lot of other studios took advantage of that because I remember like, I don't know if they were 90s films, but I remember um, Thumbelina, um, oh, yeah. Anastasia. Uh, what's the one with the with the pixies in the in the forest? Fern Gully? With Fern Gully. Yeah, I remember that one. And then there was like Land Before Time mm-hmm. and uh, Five Will Goes West and Five Will, yeah. right? Yeah, those were really good ones. And I feel like some of them were in the late 80s, early 90s. But I, I do remember those, definitely. You're right. They were oh, late and the, 80s, the, early 90s. The, the Great Toaster. What is that? The the Little Toaster? The Brave Little Toaster is actually Disney. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. If you could look at Disney+, Plus, the, the Brave Little Toaster is there in the catalog. Are you sure it's not because it was Fox? I think it's Disney. I think it's Disney in the 90s, though. Straight to video? Brave Little Toaster. It is Disney, but I don't know... 87 is when it came out. So that's why I'm like, well, why is it not here? <laughs> uh, distributed by Hyperion Pictures in the US. So I don't know how it ended up being Disney. Maybe it was the sequels. 
that were Disney. The sequels were Disney? Yeah, the sequels, I think. I think the original one was was Hyperion. And then later, the sequels ended up being Disney. Maybe. But yeah, that was a good movie, too. I liked it, too. All right, cool. So, so yeah, that was so we were just talking about the Great Mouse Detective and then finally in 88, we have Oliver and Company. So, I mean, this is part of the dark age, but I really love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's your movie. I don't really remember it very much. Was it like was Oliver a cat? Yes. Oliver was a cat. Um, He's like this orange cat, right? So so basically Oliver and Company is like a a twist on the the novel Oliver Twist, right? So okay. so Oliver the cat is like Oliver from Oliver Twist. But yeah, so he, he was abandoned and then he ends up wandering the streets uh, looking for someone to adopt him and then he meets the, the mongrel dog, you know, the, the dog named Dodger. Yeah, and then he ends up being adopted eventually. Uh, but yeah, so that dog, the dog uh, Dodger is was and ends up being part of a gang from a, a pickpocket named Fagin, you know? So it's like a homeless guy who has a gang of dogs and Oliver ended up joining them and, and Joey Lawrence is Oliver. You know, the reason why I don't remember Oliver and company? Why is that? Um, Because of all dogs go to heaven. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know, that one for me really, really uh, like was one of my childhood movies. All dogs yeah. go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. And it wasn't a Disney movie. Definitely not. So yeah, so maybe did you kind of like mix it up together because i that's what i did with great mouse detective and uh the rescuers where i kind of mixed them together you know probably but i do know that i watched all dogs go to heaven a lot i feel like the studios wanted to compete with each other because they kind of do this thing where it's like one studio will come up with an idea with you know a musical with with animals and then the other studios will be like oh we need to do something with musical with animals (laughs) yeah yeah probably but yeah the the it's kind of crazy how Disney had to compete so much back then when they were like the foundation of, of movie animation and then they fell so far and that's why we call it the Dark Ages. Right, exactly. So it's And just it's like, not the only time. Yeah, there's a Dark Age 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they don't fall into a Dark Age 3.0, which is something we wouldn't want, right? I'm hoping not just because of the creative minds in Disney right now and in Disney animation, they are a lot more collaborative and they even have that brain trust where they like check on each other and they make sure that they're making good stories. You know, it's not just making a movie to make a movie. I like what they're doing with the animation where they are coming up with new ideas. Like, you know, they had Frozen, really good idea. And then now Raya coming out, really good Mm -hmm. idea as well. The thing I don't like is with their live action, it seems like they are recycling the animated and turning them into live action. What do you think about that? Yeah, they're, they're struggling a lot with their live action. And, and you can tell that they've never really gotten their footing with their live action. And it, this is a good transition because if you look into their live action in the 80s, um, there's not really any strong showings here. Yeah, there's there's like one or two that you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, this is this is something that you remember. But then other than that, it's just like forgettable. A lot of the movies are forgettable. Yeah, I feel like they don't know what they're doing. I I was really really looking forward to the Jungle Cruise because it's a new kind of. I mean, it's based off of the ride, but it's an original story. Yeah, it's like an adventure more than it is the act based on the the actual ride. You know, it's even though they do have the ride vehicle. That they're using, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, it gets sunk. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they do have the backside of water and all the the sticky kind of things, but it seemed like it's its own thing. But I was a little concerned that it would be too close to Jumanji, especially having the rock in it. 
but with Emily Blunt, I was really, really excited. So hopefully they can still have a theatrical release. It was funny when they announced that, oh, The Rock is going to be in uh, Jungle Cruise. I was like, wait, no Kevin Hart? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was expecting him to be in that, like his sidekick again. <laughs> yeah. Or Jack Black. Or yeah, or Jack Black. Just, you know, another uh, com- comedian or something. It'd be even more appropriate to, instead of having Nick Jonas this time, have Joe Jonas. There you go. <laughs> no, but he's too busy being a dad. That's true. That's true. All right. So let, yeah, let's take a look at these live action films from the 80s, since pretty much those were the dark ages, <laughs> the 80s. Um, it, there were, let's see, five five films in 1980. Um, and I, th- I feel like the only one that it's recognizable to me is Popeye in 1980. But you know, Paramount was the actual people that got the, the you know, the title screen. Mm-hmm. It was Paramount that got the title screen for that and not Disney. And yet it's listed as a Disney movie. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't even remember this movie. So Robin Williams played Popeye here and he's like, right? He's, he, he really did the impression well of Popeye and they like put some prosthetic uh, forearms on him. <laughs> right. And um, I forgot who played Olive Oil, but then there was the baby and they were trying to like save the baby from Brutus and all that. So it was just, it was just like nonsense, really. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really don't remember this. And then another uh, movie in here possibly would be Herbie Goes Bananas because it's one of the sequel to the sequels to the Herbie movies, you know? Right. So it's just the love bug again. Um, but I don't know. It's another rendition. So another another thing to note, uh, Midnight Madness was the first one that came out in this year. It was Michael J. Fox's his first film appearance. So Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it, it kind of mimicked American Graffiti a little bit, you know, where they're they're out at night in the street and they're hot rods and stuff. Um, so it's this like one a was, Disney version of it. Yeah, you know how you know how I was like saying that in the eighties they they all wanted to compete with each other, you know. So how American Graffiti was made in the eighties, you know, it's like it's kind of like that, right? Isn't that like a beloved classic movie too? It is, but this Midnight Madness one is not. So yeah. <laughs> and then another uh, another one to note was there. The Watcher in the Woods, which was the second one here, there was a made-for-TV version of this made in 2017, and Melissa Joan Hart directed that. So that was was it on like Hallmark or something? No, because this one is a it's like a horror movie, so it must have been like Lifetime or A and E or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Disney made a horror movie. Well, it wasn't it wasn't really a horror per se. It was like a like a thriller movie type thing, like a thriller. It's not really horror. Like horror, horror, like the tradition, traditional horror genre. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who was even in it? I don't even. I don't even know. <laughs> the original one or the 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 uh, remake? The original one. Bette so Davis. super. Oh yeah, supernatural horror film. Huh. Um, oh, they distributed it under their Buena Vista. It was a yeah. It was a Buena Vista distribution. So no that, wonder. They they like to hide their more, you know, serious type of movies under that label. Yeah, um, but on their on their uh, poster it says from Disney, Walt right? Disney Productions. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Oh, it was a Ron Miller movie. There you go, Ron Miller. He produced it. Yeah. For those of you that, that don't know, Ron Miller was uh, CEO. Disney son, yeah, son-in-law, and he was yeah. uh, CEO for a little bit there. Four years. He really he really pushed Buena Vista. He did. Uh, yeah, that was his thing. That was his baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so let's look at 1981. There were one, two, three, four, four films. 
1981. And uh, I think The Devil and Max Devlin is probably the the only movie that had like a really big star because Bill Cosby was in it. Um, and this actually inspired Disney to make the Touchstone and Hollywood Pictures label uh, for the more mature audience movies. Because, you know, this is about the devil and Max Devlin, right? right. Bill Cosby played the devil and he's like, a smooth talking devil, right? So the others, I don't know. Those are those are forgettable again, you know. Like Amy was kind of like I don't know. It it wasn't. It's and you know, Dragon Slayer is another one of those. It's it, it's like the Black Cauldron, but live action, right? I don't so, know any of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's these are these are are ones that if you didn't grow up in that era, you know, you like you weren't a teenager or a adolescent in the eighties. You probably wouldn't have even known about these movies, right? Yeah, honestly, the only two movies on this live action list I know about are Tron and Return to Oz. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I mean and by I, th- this dark age is forgettable. Yeah, and I watch Return to Oz and it's creepy as crazy creepiness. Really? Yes. It's it's dark, like, ugh, it's gross. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah. In 1982, they had three movies, Night Crossing, Tron, and Tex. And um, Tron is the one that we mentioned that is probably the most memorable off of this whole list. Um, And we probably consider this one a hybrid movie because it combined early CGI with the acting. What did you think about Tron? Because I know you've seen this before, right? I haven't, actually. I also didn't even watch the the remake of Tron. Um, But I do know of Tron because it's in a lot of pop culture and it was heavily involved in in the character of chuck which is my favorite tv show and yeah like it's it was it's a cult classic because it didn't do very well in the box office um but people love it yeah it is a it is definitely a cult classic i i've watched it multiple times and it's a good movie you know i mean for me it's a good movie but if you look at the way it was shot it's innovative but you could tell that it's like ooh. Maybe they should have done better. <laughs> uh, but I, I liked it. You know, it's interesting. It's a very interesting movie. So, uh, yeah, that was 82. And then in 83, there were three movies. Trenchcoat, Something Wicked This Way Comes, and Never Cry Wolf. Uh, just a notice that Something Wicked This Way Comes was supposed to have a remake done. But I don't even think they did it. So <laughs> I feel like I know that title because it was based off a book, right? That's right. It was. So you probably have heard of the book. Yeah. I think it was Ray Bradbury. That's a possibility. I mean, it seems like it might be. (laughs) Jonathan Price was in this movie? Which one? Something Wicked This Way Comes? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So now if we go to 1985, uh, we've got Return to Oz, which you've seen. uh, Then The Journey of Nanny Gan and One Magic Christmas. And you said Return to Oz was creepy, right? Oh, it's very creepy. Um, I don't recommend it. Uh, the the Dorothy in this is like this really creepy dead-eyed girl and it's labeled as a British dark fantasy. So, yeah, it's creepy. I don't recommend it. So it was so it's it really was like it's a British cast and everything like that. <sighs> Remember if it's actually a British ca- cast, but Okay, okay. It's it's a British American dark fantasy film. So it it makes um The Wizard of Oz just look campy. Is that, is that what it no, does? No, it's not campy. It's just creepy. No, I mean, it makes the original Wizard of Oz look campy compared to oh, this I thing. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Because um, if you, if you like, take Labyrinth 
and just focus in on the creepy stuff of Labyrinth, that's what this movie is. Wow. Yeah. Man, I don't know what Disney's thinking, you know? like. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it also bombed in the box office. It had a $28 million budget and it only made $11.1 million. Well, if you make bad movies, that's what happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there was a one live action movie in 1986. I feel like that movie in 86 was actually one of the best in this period, Flight of the Navigator. I think it's that one was really underrated. It was a good movie, you know? Uh, I don't know if you have heard of the movie. Have you heard of it? I've never heard of it. What is what is it? So it's this science fiction uh, movie, right? There's a kid, he goes out to look for his bro- or bring his brother home after like playing and stuff he's like 10 his brother's eight then he like falls down in a ditch and hits his head and then when he wakes up it he's he's he wakes up back in the ditch again but it's been like 10 years or something after that or or five years later or something like that and so he's still the same age but everybody else has aged so he wonders like what happened to him and so the they there was a spaceship that was found that was crash landed. So and it turns abducted. out he was abducted and they and they were running tests on him and he and he has all these like coordinates and maps and star maps and stuff in his brain because it turns out the aliens that abducted him like they they figured that humans only use 10% of their brain so they filled all these maps and stuff in the other 90% of his brain. <laughs> they basically use him as a hard drive. They use him as a hard drive. Oh and, my goodness. And the reason why <laughs> the reason why he's called the navigator is because um, the alien that crashed that ship that brought him back, um, his computer went down, but all the map the maps were in his brain, the kid's brain. So he he used him as the navigator to bring him around where he had to go. So it's just like wow, it's crazy, <laughs> but it's a good that, movie. That sounds really creepy. Uh, and the stuff of nightmares because who wants to be abducted by aliens and then brought back eight years later to be your same age? Yeah, exactly. They were saying they're saying it's because he traveled light years away and they had to use this technology that like bent bent space and time and stuff. So he stayed the the same age in order to travel, and yet the alien didn't want to bring him back to his own time because he was saying that he probably his body probably wouldn't survive if he had to go back in time. <laughs> wow. It was, yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's that sounds crazy. trippy. Yeah. I'm surprised it has such a high Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, that's another one of those cult classics from this era. So it, it would be, I would think Tron and that movie would be the, the two that are cult classics from here. Yeah. Hopefully if they ever, like live action ever does a remake of this, uh, it's not scary. Yeah, I hope they don't make it dark. You know, they, I hope they make it m- like... The way it was intended, which is not supposed to be dark. Yeah. But yeah, you know, sci-fi in this time was just like, you know, although I really, really like the Back to the Future series. And oh, that yeah. Was, that was in this era, right? This was this age. Yeah. Was E.T. I, in the 80s? Yeah, or 90s? it was. It was the yeah, 80s so. too. So it's like, you know, E.T. I mean, it's it's universal. It's just like Back to the Future. You know, they they got the science stuff, right? I mean, the, the science fiction stuff, right? Right? <laughs> well, they got the live action down. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seemed like, you know. They have all but these titles that are just really good. They they just they've always had it down though. That's why they're they have the universal backlot and they have so many titles under them. It's like them and MGM, well MGM is no more, but you know, they 
were part of old Hollywood and, you know, Disney was about animation. So I feel like they just never got traction in that live action avenue. I mean, they you can't fault them for trying, though. I mean, they, they tried. They've tried a lot. I mean, they have some memorable films, definitely. Like, I mean, we talked about Mary Poppins before. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So in 87, there was one film, the only film done by Disney from from the Benji series and it was this one called Benji the Hunted. So there's there are five movies. Actually there are six six movies in the Benji series. The sixth one was actually made a remake in 2018 by Netflix. If you recall Benji the Dog, do you remember Benji the Dog? I remember the earlier movies. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember this one because I really really loved Benji. Yeah, we had like two of the Benji movies, but it wasn't mm-hmm. this one. This one is yeah. the only one done by Disney. And it was kind of meta. And it was just like Benji in the wilderness with his family. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I remember the the other two Benjis. Like the first, I think it was like, I don't remember which ones we had. We had like two of them though, I think. Yeah. All right. So the last one in the dark ages here was Return to Snowy River. It was the sequel to The Man from Snowy River. But only this second sequel was distributed by Disney. Don't ask me why, but... They probably saw that the first one was a success and they're like, oh, we want to get our name on it. So they probably just said, all right, give us, we'll pay you and then we'll get our name on it. Because it was the first movie was an Australian movie, right? So I think they just wanted to distribute it internationally. So they put their name on it. The second one, for whatever reason. (laughs) I don't even know what this movie is. It's like, it's a romance. Uh, it's It's just a romance movie. So it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I feel like they just wanted to partner with other studios just to gain some traction and just to get some movies out there. But I don't know if they were smart business decisions. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I'm surprised that they made it through this this period of time. Without completely shutting down, right? Yeah, it's like a hard 10 years for them here. That's probably why they called it the Dark Ages. Just like, uh, they're like in dire need of something that will turn them around, right? Yeah, it's like their parks and their merchandise... And their like re-releases from the vault were keeping them alive. So they were less, they're just like stagnating during this period where the new stuff they're putting out isn't a, a hit like they want it to be, right? Yeah, but their television, like I was saying, that's what was really thriving. Because I think this around this time they acquired ABC. That's right. Um, and they did they have um, ESPN at this point? Uh, not yet. I don't think they did. Yeah, but they were really focusing in on ABC and and developing their their series here because I think did we talk about uh TGIF and like all those early things before? What we talked about was the um the, the Disney sitcoms. episode from the sitcoms. Yeah. yeah. So we we touched on like um Full House and Roseanne and uh Family Matters and all that, but I think Family Matters came in the 90s, but Definitely Full House and, and Roseanne were 80s to 90s. And those were really thriving television shows. And they got a lot of their things from um, the early development of Disney Channel. Um, I think the Mickey Mouse Club was early 90s, late 80s as well. The reboot of the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, the new Mickey Mouse Club with uh, Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling and all those guys. Christina. Yep. Christina and Brittany. Yep. Yeah, those were early 90s. Yeah. So they were really, really focusing in on their TV and their distribution, and they had a lot of different um, studios on their in on their name uh, in the Dark Ages. So they had Buena Vista Pictures. They had what was it Touchstone? Touchstone. Yep, yep. They had, um, of course, Walt Disney. 
but they had so many different labels and and then now they've they've kind of consolidated I don't know if we because we didn't throw in the the touchstone label movies in this period but there were a lot and, oh and yeah there were a lot kind of like you know remember remember splash with uh with Tom Hanks and uh who was it Daryl Hannah remember that I they actually have it on Disney plus but they oh do they yeah I watched it and I was like Oh, how come this is in here? Because you see Daryl Hannah, and she's just like a mermaid, you know, like natural <laughs> mermaid. <laughs> but it's yeah, that was I was just like, wow, okay, and yeah, they have some, they have a couple other Touchstone pictures in there, and I'm just like, man, I, I can't believe they threw it in here. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was more geared toward the more mature audiences, so they were able to put out like rated. Rated R or rated PG thirteen movies on the on that label, so yeah, they just wanted to kind of separate it from the actual Walt Disney Studios label. Yeah, when did it like go away? I'm not sure because um, they had like Armageddon, they had Pearl Harbor, Signs, uh, a whole bunch of things. They had Sister Act, and they had really good movies under this label. And oh, Good Morning Vietnam. These are like high grossing movies and, you know, nobody would ever know they were technically Disney. But yeah, it's because it was Touchstone. So maybe that, you know, the fact that they had these other studios was keeping them afloat during this period. However, it's like their core is really supposed to be animation and yet they only had four films. And those four films didn't really do much. Yeah. So that's why, you know, the next phase that we'd be looking at is the Renaissance. And, you know, it's like hit after hit after hit. So, yeah. Oh, it looks like it just went defunct in 2018. Wow. So, yeah. As recently as two years ago, Touchstone went away, huh? Yeah. But they had really, really big hits up until that point. I don't know. It must have been a, an Iger thing to just say, okay, maybe we need to rethink the label or something. Well, I do know that the Touchstones television, they reconsolidated it so that it would be under ABC Studios. Oh, okay. Okay. Do, and what? then after that, they consolidate after the acquisition of 21st Century Fox, it's now ABC Signature. That that uh Touchstone is? Um so Touchstone is? Touchstone Television went from that to ABC Studios and then after the acquisition of um Fox, they've consolidated both ABC Studios and Fox uh, to be ABC Signature. Wow. So they just eliminated Fox altogether, huh? Uh, sort of. They eliminated some their, their uh, Fox 21 television studio. Okay. So they just put that together with ABC Studio just to make that ABC Signature thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Fox is still there. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't oh, really eliminate... Fox as a TV channel. No, it says Disney announced that it would revive Touchstone Television brand as re- as a renaming of Fox 21 Television Studios and ABC Studios was renamed to ABC Signature. So they revived Touchstone Television under the Fox label. Under Fox to phase out Fox. Wow. They didn't they just like okay, that's like a typical move though. Yeah. Get rid of some of the old and put your put your stuff in there. Yeah. Well, hopefully it, it they make some more hits. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with like Deadpool and all their actual like the Fox, the 20th century, 21st century Fox or 20th. I don't know what they're calling it anymore with, uh, you know, the rated R section, if they're going to keep it under Fox or if they're going to go Disney. I mean, like how they had X-Men and they had Deadpool and 
But mm-hmm. X-Men was PG-13, so they have it on… I've seen them on Disney+, Plus. so some of the X-Men movies. Yeah. Fantastic Four. What do you think? They're going to reboot that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's uh, They might want to add it to the MCU, but we'll see. We don't even know what's going to happen with the MCU right now. They keep on pushing out the um, Scarlett Johansson's movie. Yeah. And and um, Spider Man, they've had to delay filming too. Yeah, so we never we don't know what's gonna happen, but yeah, but we'll, well see. Yeah, we're gonna have to see with that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, anything you wanna say to our listeners about this age, uh, dark age? Yeah, we clearly went on a tangent, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, thanks for listening to our our episode this week. Hopefully, you found it interesting and you had fun with us uh, as we discussed. You know this dark period of, of Disney's uh, past. Uh, but I'm really, really looking forward to this next point where we get to talk about the Renaissance because, you know, after every dark period, there's a, a period of light and enlightenment. And this is what uh, we get to see and we we got to grow up with for sure. So I hope you stick with us for the rest of this series. We're not just touching on movies and uh, we're going to delve into TV, fashion, parks and whatnot, just basically everything that, you know, helped us with our childhood and growing up Disney. So I hope you enjoyed and I hope you're keeping safe out there. Yeah, so I'd like to thank you listeners for tuning into this episode. We talked about the Dark Age movies. Have you? Did you guys grow up with them? Do you remember any of these that we mentioned? Or even even the four animated ones since those were, that was like Disney's core. Uh, let us know. Shoot us a comment or, you know, let us know somehow. What do you think? And thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Rissa, I'd like to say... Keep your watches, sync to Disney time. See ya. Bye.